My guest today is Casey Taylor. Casey is the founder of the Scooty Fund. And just for a little bit of context on that, the Scooty Fund was founded when Casey's younger brother, Will, and my friend died by suicide in March 2017. Casey's perspective on mental health and the issue, the growing epidemic of suicide in our country is really valuable. And to, to hear from her firsthand about her own story, but also about what she's seen through now getting more involved in this community, what she's hearing from other people, um, I think I'll let the conversation speak for itself at this point, but there's no one-size-fits-all solution, and every person is on their own path, and every person is different. So with that in mind, let's begin Casey Taylor. Good afternoon, Casey. Good afternoon. <laughs> uh, you showed up, what is it, 1.30, um, and it's great to have you. It's really great to be here. Thank it, you. Yeah, um, when I, I don't even know how the idea came up, but a couple weeks ago I reached out to you and I was like, hey, Casey, want to come on the podcast? And I think you answered yes right away. Enthusiastically. <laughs> Enthusiastic yes within the first five minutes. And uh, it's always good to get an email back in five minutes, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. So let's start with where you grew up, who you are, um, and what's led you towards being on the path that you're in. So I introduced you right before this as the founder of the Scooty Fund, as well as an art consultant, but we're going to be talking about how you are transitioning and you just made the decision that you want to take your career professionally a different route, which is amazing. Yeah, I'm actually Um, in the process of um, switching over to psychology as my main focus, so... We're, that that's part of the story kind of falls a little bit down the line um, as, as far as your journey goes. So I didn't mean to bring it up too early, but that's sort of the premise for why we're sitting here talking. And um, I guess, you, do you want to introduce like what, how we know each other yeah. through Will? Yeah. Um, so I grew up on Mercer Island, mm-hmm. um, grew up together. Uh, obviously I've known you for years, Yeah. very long time. Um, and I grew up with two younger brothers, uh, one of them, your year, Will, um, two years younger than me. And my other brother, Michael is six years younger than me. Um, I went to college in Southern California. I studied media studies, which is kind of entertainment theory and art. Um, and then stayed down there, uh, to pursue a career in the art world. And about two years after I graduated, I was 23 at the time, um, my brother died by suicide. Um, And that was, for me, by far the most difficult thing I had ever gone through. Um, He and I were super close, and it just kind of shattered my world. Um, and there were really no signs of depression or anxiety or any struggles with mental health in the past. Um, so it was really, not only was it, um, you know, deeply, deeply sad, but it was a complete shock. Mm -hmm. Um, and that actually, after I got over the initial grief and initial shock, I started kind of looking at the situation he was in. Why did this happen? 
I was kind of searching for answers and a large part of me was very, very angry and frustrated with the culture and the society that had allowed this to happen. Right. Um, and that hadn't really supported emotional health or mental health in a way that he felt he could either reach out for help if he was feeling these, you know, going through depression or, you know, intensely sad or angry or whatever it may be um, for whatever reason, he didn't feel like he could reach out for help. Um, And also a society that doesn't necessarily value the emotional, mental um, health and growth of young people. Mm -hmm. Um, So as, you know, I started kind of having these frustrations, I started, um, or I guess diving into this, um, I started also talking with friends about this um, and kind of talking about, well, if this is the situation, we know a lot of people who don't feel like they can come forward or like seek help with their emotional well-being. Correct. Yeah. But they're going through all of this stuff. They're going through, you know, feeling hopeless about their job or school or whatever. And they're feeling frustrated and trapped. And I don't know, these kind of constant, um, painful emotions Um, and so we kind of started looking at, okay, well, if this is the case, what can we do to change this? Um, and that's where we came up with the idea for the Scooty Fund, which is primarily, um, it's all, it's run by young people. So it's run by our peers and our friends. I love that aspect of it for sure. Thank you. Um, and actually your involvement has been really great so far. Um, very much appreciated. Oh, no, it's, it's really my pleasure. And, uh, one of the coolest parts about, and you can talk more about what the, what the whole foundation is about, but the wellness warrior Wednesdays, what's it called? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Wednesday wellness warriors. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think such a, uh, crucial aspect in terms of exactly what you're talking about, which is breaking this barrier between whatever is socially culturally happening and the ability for people to talk about it openly. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that hundreds or thousands of people know that this Scooty fund exists. There's this place that people share their stories every Wednesday, their daily practices, uh, what they do to kind of keep right and mentally and physically. And then they also talk about their history with depression or mental health or any sort of challenges they've had in the past in a very vulnerable, open way. And I think those are two crucial, crucial elements that right away, like really hit on what you set out to do with the Scooty Fund. Mm-hmm. So I think you've, you've applied and I want to talk a lot more about um, where the Scooty Fund is going. I think the, there's, there is no limit to really the impact that it can have. I think it's huge. And um, so, yeah, you, so you started the Scooty Fund what talk a little bit more about like what the what you guys do other than wellness wednesdays and like what is the ultimate vision for the future and how to sounds like and i'm kind of jumping all over the place here but you're making a career transition towards that space psychology yes i am so how do those two things blend together your future involvement with the scooty fund and your Uh, career 
Um, so our mission at the Scooty Fund is to promote support and advance mental health and wellness um, in ways that enhance the lives and well-being of young people. Um, and as you said, our Wednesday Wellness Warrior Takeovers are a big way that we're trying to do that. We're trying to reach young people in a way that is effective rather than coming from like a almost like a superior or coaching aspect. We're reaching them through social media, something they engage in every day. Um, and these are the voices of our friends and our peers mm-hmm. saying, opening up and saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, it's not something to be ashamed of. Here's how I'm coping. Here's how I'm working through it and kind of sharing their experience and wisdom um, with, our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so our main, I guess within that, our main um, focuses are on connection and that's a part of it and education. Um, mm-hmm. And what ultimately we would like to do is we would like to grow the connection piece. Um, we aren't entirely sure how that will look. Um, a lot of this is kind of we're we're learning as we go as well. Right. I'm sure. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because you've started and learned some of the challenges that come along with starting something from the ground up, which is hard as it is. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it in a space with inter- on a topic that's very hard to talk about. It's really hard to connect with people. I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone's flipping through their Instagram feed super quick. And then one post comes up and how do you connect with someone on something that is totally against the grain compared to what all the other stuff they're seeing is. Right. So I'm right. sure that's been a challenge, but it what are some of the other, has. What, what else have you learned and how has that sort of strategy changed? Um, one thing that we've really come to rely on is, um, I guess using the community. So we have been growing organically from the very beginning but in the very beginning, it was myself, um, my teammate Tara, uh, Ali Rudman was involved at the time, and Tristan Coles. And we were kind of trying to take on the role of facilitator, and we weren't really sure how to get other people involved. We've now come to, we're coming from a place of learning, I guess, um, and a place of openness to whatever opportunities may come along. So a lot of what we're doing is asking other people, other wellness warriors, like what would, um, you know, you like to see, what would you like to talk about? Um, and in 2020, the focus of our takeovers, we're going to be dividing them up into topics by month. So kind of these general themes, um, that people have come to identify as, uh, challenges in their life. We're going to be taking on month by month and having people, not only address their mental health struggles generally, but kind of hone in on these topics so we can go more in depth um, with each. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Another big challenge was initially getting the word out. And again, um, that was largely through our community and um, relying on our friends and our family and our peers to share what, hopefully they would find as helpful. Um, and that has actually proved very successful, but as we're growing, 
Um, and as we're connecting with more people, we don't necessarily have a personal relationship with, mm. we're kind of reevaluating that and seeing, um, you know, how we can better, uh, how we can continue this yeah. growth long term. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I, I just wish I was part of some of these, uh, conversations, you know, that you guys have internally, because I think it's so interesting. Like, how do you, how do you. And this is one of the toughest parts about this whole conversation is like, how do you phrase a message to a thousand people or more that are going to hear it in a thousand different ways? So the words that we're saying right now in this conversation, and this is like goes speaks towards no one. There's no one size fits all solution. There's no way there's no person out there, no therapist or psychologist who's like, okay, X, Y and Z are happening. So we're going to prescribe, you know, this and boom, it, it solves it. So I guess, how do you toil with, let me take it back actually to how do you approach the topic of mental, mental health with people that aren't used to talking about it? Like what are some ways that you approach someone that maybe they're not your closest friend, but you know that they might be going through something. They're not necessarily reaching out to you. Like what are some ways to kind of go through that barrier there? That's a great question. Um, And like you said, there's really no guidebook for life or these challenges that life presents (laughs) for relationships, for having these conversations. But, um, you know, speaking from experience and from the experiences of others, um, it's oftentimes it's more challenging to broach the issue with someone who's struggling than it is for the person who's struggling to have that issue broached. Like they are, let's say, so um, it's easier to under, so it's easier for you. It's harder for you to, to break the barrier to start that conversation. Than for them to deal with you breaking the barrier. Right. I see. There's a lot yeah. of, um, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, tools out there right now for someone dealing with depression or anxiety or some other mental health issue. Um, and a lot of the advice is, Um, talk to someone about it, reach out for help. Oftentimes though, like if you're in a really, if you're struggling, that's, that's not something that's really, that's on your mind that you're Mm -hmm. thinking about that you can do. Um, So we've actually been working with another foundation um, who is sharing the message of um, like taking on, I forget how they phrase it, but um, Uh, seizing the awkward and being the person who talks to someone else who's struggling Mm. and does that kind of step for them so that they aren't in a position of needing to reach out. And um, one, I do have a few tips actually coming from someone who has both been the person to kind of break that barrier and the person receiving help. Um, First of all, come with compassion Um, without judgment, you really have no idea what someone else is going through, no matter what you think, you know, they have their own thoughts, their own emotions, their own experiences. And, um, the best thing you can do is show up kindly, show up openly, um, and understand that even if you think you understand, you probably don't, Mm -hmm. um, and, once you can get into that kind of state of mind, approaching them and 
also, I, okay, let me back up. Yeah. Um, understanding that you don't know someone else's perspective, you also have to understand that they don't know yours. Mm. So if you can share with them what you're perceiving, that oftentimes is a good place to start. So you can say something like, um, hey, you know, I noticed that uh, you've missed like three out of five days this past week. Um, and, you know, you seem not very talkative in meetings, you know, just wanted to check in with you. Are you okay? Are you going through something? And leave it very open for them to respond. Um, you know, they may be defensive. They may say thanks for they may be dismissive. Um, there are a lot of responses you can get, but just by opening up that conversation, you do give them a chance to say, you know, I actually like, I've been really struggling. I couldn't get out of bed on Tuesday. Like I, I'm not sick. I just, you know, I don't feel like getting up. Mm-hmm. And by opening that up, um, you're giving them the chance to express that. And one thing that people are often, um, very what they want to do in that situation oftentimes is jump in and help and find a solution and say that's exactly what i was going to say yeah um well here's what you can do here's how to do it like right come up with myriad solutions to what this person is sharing or try and like put your finger right on it like what is the problem like this is the problem like your job is driving you crazy or your commute or something but often it's more times than not in my experience when someone's really struggling, there's no one thing to put your finger on. Right. And if when people do try to kind of boil it down to that one thing or try and find that one solution, it oftentimes minimizes the pain or the suffering that this person is going through. Because they're like, well, you know, I've tried that. Like, that yeah. doesn't make sense. And yeah. it can cause them to just shut down more. Like, oh, just go for a run. Go work out. Right. Like. That works for some people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a situation where that's not going to help. Right. Like, <laughs> right. You know? And it's like, well, gee, thanks. Cool. Yeah. Now, I guess. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the one thing that I always was concerned with on the Wellness Warrior Takeovers is like, hey, this is what works for me. Like, right. being physically active, having something that I'm waking up to do on a daily basis. Those are like two of the core elements of what keep me going. But, even like even recently coming home from traveling, I went through a little bit of a lull where I was kind of just like a little bit like sick, actually, um, with strep throat and just like kind of my immune system was beat down. But also like I was not jumping out of bed in the morning and speaks to how fragile mental health is because, right. it, you know, just a couple weeks prior, I was amped up and and feeling super good. And I consider myself someone who's usually pretty solid on that end. But it's so fragile and you have to, and I guess what I did to kind of like avoid, I saw myself slipping, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I've kind of been through it a little bit. I'm not the most wise guy, 25 years old, got a lot to learn, but um, (laughs) yeah, I I started talking to people. I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling right. Like what's going on? What's going on? I, you know, I actually changed my diet a little bit and just like kind of took a step back. I let myself get some more rest, which was huge. And I don't really know why I'm saying what I did because we're talking about how this doesn't actually like sharing what I did doesn't necessarily help someone else who's dealing with something differently. But there are that being said, there are a ton of foundational things that are 
that hold up the, the, the whole right person. Right. And when we talk about like mental and physical health, it's kind of all just health. It is. It's, it's just your health. Yep. You just have to take care of your health. So. There aren't two separate <laughs> yeah. kind of like black and white categories. Right. It's so it's like, what, it, what do you see as from many people's stories that you've seen and yourself? Like, what are some of those factors that are crucial to maintain or like eating healthy and sleeping like basics? basics for sure but can easily be overlooked and then right. you start getting busy or like for me this summer I was just really working hard on some projects so I was ignoring my physical health not sleeping as enough and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then it just comes back to haunt you a couple months later right and I'm still you can hear it in my throat a little bit I'm not feeling so good today but um what are some of those like foundational things that you'd point to and how do you and, and then question two I, mm-hmm. I hate doing this but how do you identify like for yourself, like where am I lacking? Yes, that's actually a really good question because you can know all these foundational things mm-hmm. and they, you can have a great knowledge of, you know, tools, let's call them or practices that are helpful. But if you aren't practicing them in your daily life mm-hmm. or, um, you know, taking a step back and saying, great, what is working for me? What isn't? Where would I, you know, be able and to you change? Right. 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 Yeah. So what works for you today might not work in a year. Right. So you have to, it's so tough. It's a constant kind of self-reflection process, Mm -hmm. um, self-check-in. But yeah, as you said, those basics, sleep, exercise, eating healthily. And I want to approach that topic gently as well, because um, the relationship with food for a lot of people is, especially women, is very complicated. Um, There is a lot of evidence that shows that if you aren't feeding your body regularly, um, your anxiety goes up because your body thinks that it's in, you know, survival, starvation mode. Um, So feeding your body regularly and feeding your body well, um, trying to stay away from chemicals like like processed sugar that you're going to get that sugar high and then that low. Um, so figuring out first with food, figuring out your relationship with food, figuring out what healthy looks like to you and, um, enacting that every day. That's a huge thing. Huge. Mm-hmm. Like just feeling like what you're putting in your body is what's right for you as right. well. Like if you're eating something and maybe it is healthy, but you're telling yourself, Oh, I shouldn't be eating this. It's got too many carbs or something right. like that. Like for, don't tell yourself that because now it is unhealthy, even though might be healthy for you to consider consuming that food. And I don't know, obviously from a woman's perspective, it's different than from a men's perspective. And that's another thing with mental wellness and suicide specifically is it affects men and women differently. I was Mm -hmm. just looking online at some statistics before this conversation and men, um, die by suicide at a significantly higher rate than women. Yep. Right. And I'm not meaning to steer this conversation away from kind of what we were talking about, but there are to what we were talking about as far as everyone has their own solution. Men and women are fundamentally different in the way that we think. Right. That is evidenced by women apparently have more thoughts of suicide, but act on it less Mm -hmm. versus men. And then there's some like, there's some other patterns and stuff like that we can see. And it's not, um, I think one of the things before we were rolling the microphones was that I brought up to you. And I just said, like, how do we talk about this thing? And then 
sure, you can have a conversation like we're having now. And I'm sure you've had a million, thousands of them. I've had a lot with my friends, my peers. But then at the end, it's like, how do you take the next step? Right. Like, how do we implement it and put it into action? So that's why I think these foundational things, understanding what can I improve just a little bit? Hey, maybe I, maybe I'm just like feeling really shitty. Mm-hmm. Like fact of the matter is like, you're just having a shitty shitty time and it's mm-hmm. not like a bad day it's not like anything you can point to like you're depressed mm-hmm. and so to dig yourself out of that and I've been trying to toil with this I I'm not pre- prescribing anything but like I think that there's a bunch of these factors that like they hold us up and if one is lacking like personal connection mm-hmm. I think is lacking a lot in our society yes and what the Scooty Fund does is huge bringing people together even just watching a story like someone that you I think this is kind of similar to what you're talking about as far as with people that don't know the people that are doing the story, like telling the stories, it can be hard. But a lot of the people that listen to this conversation won't necessarily know either of us personally, but we're telling the story here. And I think it's compelling stories. I'm just jumping all over the place, but stories are so powerful. The stories we tell ourselves are so, so powerful. And um, I don't really have a question, but like what, what do you think like, I guess what let's transition to like, what do you think are some of the pressures socially and culturally that are causing this? Yeah. Well, I'm actually, I'm really glad you brought this up because I think this is, um, for me, what I identify as the, not necessarily the most important, but the most lacking in today's society. Yes. So of these kind of like base factors, these pillars that hold us up, um, you know, sleep, exercise, eating well, I think connection has been, there's tons of research that shows connection is necessary. We're social animals. Um, And I actually think play is very important too. Yes, yes, let's talk about that. Um, So I think, you know, connection (laughs) and play are two things that are just not, that we've been taught we should not value so from so instead we should value our job achievement and achievement yes. yes yes um and that comes in the form most often as job achievement but even when we're young it's achievement in sports it's achievement um obviously in school it's mm-hmm. you know it's people call it doing well but it's not necessarily doing well. I hear it all the time. Oh, how's so-and-so? Oh, he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. He's got a job. He's doing this and that. It's like, okay, like, how's he really doing? Right, like, exactly. How is his person? <laughs> yeah. Like, How's his soul doing? Yeah, like, <laughs> yep. Um, Very true. Yeah, and it sounds, I mean, I think we're conditioned to kind of think that that sounds, um, I don't know, like, like silly almost. But that is really what makes your life like your experience of life. That is your life. And um, I think a lot of times, most often in society, we're told to achieve and that those are markers of a successful, well-lived life. That life to me, um, I think you can, you know, achieve a lot in life. I think that's very, very possible. And you can still live a very happy, very full life. But I think what we are being taught is to value achievement at the expense of leisure, play, mm-hmm. connection. 
So um, sacrifice the things that like wake us up in the morning. Right. Or not, not the things that we love to do as a kid. Right. This is one of the things why I start a lot of these podcasts by like asking about people's background. One, because I'm just not that experienced. I don't really know how else to drive a conversation other than like chronologically. <laughs> but it's important for me to understand like what did you like to do as a kid? Because if you aren't acting on like those childhood impulses, like, oh, I love to go ride my bike. Like now I would go ride my bike. Like I do what I used to love to do as a kid. Right. And it is a huge like part of my like happiness, honestly. Right. And a lot of people are denying themselves like, oh, I used to love drawing or playing the piano. And now you're don't have time to draw and play the piano. You got to achieve, right? Right. Whatever you're doing, like every conversation you have in society. And this is just me kind of bitching a little bit, but it's like, Hey, like, what are you up to? What are you doing? What are you working on? It's like, yep. It's like, that's cool. But like, for what? Like, that's why I, like yes. I see someone like you and I'm like, what are like, I love what you're doing because you're actually acting in on your values, which is like how I judge people's character. Mm-hmm. What are their values? Are they living up to them? Yep. Like those are huge things. Yep. Um, so like, let's go more towards like, what do you see as like, how are you going to take this understanding? And like, what are you, I guess you're going more into psychology. So Mm -hmm. what do you want to learn? Like, what are you, how are you trying to progress your understandings in these areas? And, um, or is it just important for you to understand the sort of like the structure of like having a practice and being in that field very much less about the structure I I don't know why I said that (laughs) um that's my business brain yeah well I'm like what do they teach over there in the psychology department exactly (laughs) where's like this step by step um let's see you know it kind of so I am an art consultant um I call it as my day job is my career Mm -hmm. right now Mm Um, and that allows me to be creative. I propose nice source artworks for, um, luxury hospitality projects. So I will find the artwork for a hotel's lobby and their guest rooms and stuff like that. Um, it's also very, um, client focused. So basically meeting the client's demands when they want them met. Um, and you're a pretty social person. Yes. So you're creative and you're social. Yep. Yep. Boom, boom. Um, So that's great. Um, There's also, though, a part of it that's very project management oriented. A lot of pricing, a lot of figuring out, you know, the specifications of the artwork, which means the sizing, the installation, like kind of putting all those documents together Mm -hmm. so that when I send it off, like the installer can do it. It's easy. Um, And then overseeing oftentimes like production, if... um, you know, this is a custom piece or a bunch of prints that are being made, overseeing that timeline, making sure it gets somewhere by the time it needs to be there. Uh Um, So I'm really lucky in that I get to be creative and social within this job. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy the uh, project management and I am also not necessarily feeling fulfilled by what I'm doing every day. Um, And there is a lot of stress involved And, um, I kind of look at it as if a project is bringing you joy, oftentimes stress will look like excitement because you'll want to be doing what you're doing. Um, if you're feeling that kind of negative stress daily, it usually means that you're not necessarily getting joy out of what you're doing. In my experience, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm feeling, I have been feeling stressed for a long time. I'm feeling kind of a 
I know that there's something else I'd rather be doing. I, at this point, I've started the Scooty Fund and that has brought me fulfillment and joy. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy connecting with people. And I enjoy talking about mental health and feeling like I'm helping others. Um, I do too. I like that. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's great. (laughs) Um, So I have gotten to this point where, you know, if I this has been lasting long enough where I feel like I really want to take the next steps. I want to get more of an education. I love learning. Um, so continuing to learn about psychology and mental health and all of this, um, is a really exciting prospect for me. Um, and I also would really like to be able to spend more time helping people more hands-on with, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really why I'm taking the next steps is for my own personal fulfillment. Um, and a really strong desire to help others. And that's definitely one of my core values. Um, so I really feel like the step in the next direction is aligning more with who I am as a person. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So, and I, I can just see exactly like how you found your way, like you tested the waters with some things that you liked, mm-hmm. which were art and um, working with people. Mm-hmm. And you tried that out and you gave it some a good couple of years and, you know, you kept an open mind towards it. And now you're taking, like, how did you begin to think about this transition? A lot of people, yeah. they're like, oh, uh, you know. It sounds like, is it just the duration of the time that you had these thoughts growing for that you're like, well, this has lasted long enough is what you said, right? You're like, I've had this passion long enough. Um, So definitely, um, it's been on my mind for some time, kind of wanting to take these next steps. And I also, you know, I feel like my experience personally with some of these issues, um, it would allow me to make meaning out of these experiences. Mm -hmm. So not only do I feel like I've been having kind of these, a desire to take the next steps and become like a professional within the field, but I feel like I'm at a point within my life where I have kind of, obviously nothing's ever like golden, perfect, but I feel like I've worked on myself and, Mm -hmm. you know, taken the time to do that. So then I'm at a point where I can, Um, I also, I was really struggling for, you know, quite some time with this feeling of being committed to what I had chosen. Like after college, I chose to be in the art business. This is my career path. This is my vertical. This is what I'm doing. And I need to take the next steps within what I'm doing. Right. And just kind of that rigidity. Um, and, you know, just even over like the last year or so coming to think of life in general as more expansive and more kind of horizontal and dimensional. And it's not just one path um, has really allowed me to say, well, okay, so what I didn't go to grad school right after college, you know, it's given me all of this experience. I have a very like dimensional last few years um, it's okay for me to want to do something else now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at least within my experience, there's definitely a focus on, um, choosing something, sticking with it, 
working hard, achieving, and that that's kind of your, like, that's the path. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was oftentimes taught growing up, like, like even something as little as swimming. I was not a good swimmer. I didn't like it, but I had been doing it from like eight. I mean, since I was super little and I did it the first year of high school, I was on the swim team, hated it, begged my parents (laughs) to let me quit. Um, and there was very much a like, no, you're giving up if you quit. Like, yeah, like quit is a bad word. It has Uh. a negative connotation. But I think a lot of times if something isn't right, you have an opportunity to take steps in another direction. And that's not a linear direction. I love it. Um, So kind of shifting my mindset around, um, I guess, the idea of a vertical path um, or like a structured linear life has really allowed me to say, okay, I'm going to do it. Wow. That is, that's uh, really inspirational, I'll say. And I, I want to go back to what you said about like play, because you've not that you've played, but you've done, you've lived that out. You've tried some different things. And a lot of people, they're in this situation where they're like, I don't even know what I like. Mm-hmm. like I don't even know what I want to do. And my path into the creative field was literally, I was in a class senior year in, in college. And my professor was like, you should think about filmmaking and writing as a viable career path. And I, like he would t- call me into his office after class and clearly he saw that I was passionate. I would do the reading and show up and ask questions. And I was like a business student in this journalist class. None of the journalism oh, kids yeah. even cared about the class. They were all just checked out. And I was like, this is the greatest class ever. And so it's like, I guess, uh, connecting your story to my story, like what happened and what allowed me to take at least my first step in this direction and like totally it was a change in mindset towards like what is possible. Yes. So you're thinking in this way that like you could do anything, you can pivot and change. You're not trapped. Exactly. And And yeah, people rarely, rarely, rarely are ever trapped in something like when it comes down to it, you feel like you might be trapped. You feel like it because in the moment you're like, Oh man, like how am I going to transition? How am I going to pay the bills while I'm, in between jobs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this is why like, uh, like really going and spending time outside of your normal, like work hours is crucial because if you're, if you're just working and coming home and just relaxing or you have, maybe you go to the gym and work out a little bit, like you're not necessarily moving the needle on like your passion or whatever. Right. Like, and it's not necessarily that you need to have some passion project going on, but like why I want to go back to play is because play is so crucial. Like just, going outside and taking time for yourself to do whatever, not even outside. If you want to play video games, play video games. Yes. I don't know um, if you want to just like walk around, like just get out and do something different is like something that I think is so, so crucial. I agree. So how else do you play? Like what else does Casey Taylor do to have some fun? Good question. (laughs) Again, um, I, I still love to create art. Um, So if, and that's a huge stress relief. I think play is also, it's, it's a way to kind of re- get your brain out of whatever state it's in. Um, True. And art is huge for me. Um, I love, again, I'm a pretty social person and I love socializing with other people um, and just kind of 
being with others. That's a big source of joy for me. Um, I love to ski. Uh, Heck yeah. Yeah. That's probably my number one. Um, is Mammoth the mountain you usually ski? It is. Yep. yep. <laughs> Going up in two weeks for the first time this season. Amazing. We need mm-hmm. some snow up here now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm super excited for the season as well. Mm-hmm. It should be good. What is it about skiing that's so good? Um, like I kind of get it because I do it, but like there's something so there's, special. Yeah. Yeah. It's magic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's you're in this like winter wonderland yeah. and you're just doing one of the most fun things. Yep. I think with cool people. Exactly. A lot of the time. Yeah. You have your connection, yeah. you're out in nature, um, moving your body, mm-hmm. kind of all of these things that are fulfilling and, you know, bring mm-hmm. joy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I saw, um, I forget what it was. Somebody, maybe it's a podcast I was listening to recently. Probably, uh, someone mentioned this term nature. What is it? Na- uh, like not attention deficit disorder, but na- nature deficit disorder. Like I like it. We're, I, I kind of like it too. Like yeah. we have a need to be in nature. And yes. this is kind of like how I see, like if you're not itching that itch, I'm literally itching my arm right now subconsciously. <laughs> but if, if you're not with people like if you're not connected with your friends or the nature or whatever like it is that like gets you feeling that joy right like for me it's a lot of the nature like I like being around people for sure but I can really I'm most happy when I'm just by myself riding my bike up a hill in the mountains in the, in the forest yep. and there's something about it there's even this idea of forest bathing I'm like I'm kind of um, I'm making a film with a guy named Dean Hall and he's just like this um He's a two-time cancer survivor and the first man to uh, swim the length of the Willamette River. And he's just like attributed all of his healing and recovery to cancer by his um, practice of going out and spending time in the forest in the nature. I believe it. And And I I think there's there's something to be said about that. And that's just my biased perspective. People should get outside more. I share that bias. (laughs) I really do. And today is opt outside. Did you know that no. REI, REI does this thing? Cause it's black Friday today. Mm-hmm. So most people are told by advertising, Hey, go spend money at the store, stand in line, be in these fluorescent filled rooms and yeah. be stressed out paying money for things that you don't even necessarily need. Right. REI is just like, yeah, actually we close our doors. They don't even open on black Friday. That's amazing. Yeah. Think about that conversation in like the boardroom. Like someone's like, Hey, we should uh, not open on black Friday. Yep. Let's stand by our values. Let's get outside. (laughs) Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I got out this morning. Are you going to get out after this? Did you? Yeah. I am. I haven't yet. I slept in this morning. (laughs) Needed some rest. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, uh, vibrant and exciting today so (laughs) thank you um, as are you (laughs) (laughs) gosh I think it's just the green tea but um yeah no it's been it's been super cool to kind of catch up with you a little bit and uh like hear your perspective on all these things like we're not done yet though good um so yeah I was just pulling up some statistics let me just look at my computer and see where we're going here I'll link a couple things in the video probably I just want to like share this one video and this kind of leads into a bit of a conversation like that we've kind of been having around, like there's not one size fits all for everybody. Mm-hmm. So the type of, I don't know, advice or wisdom or consultation that I resonate with is going to be different than someone else. But I actually have found, and I never really 
found value in the internet in terms of like self-help or like understand like uh improving yourself and things like this or just like getting out of some of the darkness mm-hmm. i guess is this video that i'm gonna link here i watched it the other day it's called darkness by this guy named jocko willink he's like a podcaster and uh ex-navy seal and he comes with this perspective which is like not for everyone but he's like like kind of like hardcore like like you are in this place of darkness i'm not gonna like i don't know what this six minute video what he says but he's basically just like you have to fight and like get out of it so there's like that perspective which is sometimes you have to hear that like you have to like there will be hard days every single person is gonna have some really shitty days Mm -hmm. that's a fact so some people they need to hear like go fight through it and other people they need to hear like hey like rest right let yourself feel the grief take time like rest don't fight and I like, think oftentimes, too, that kind of has to do with, like, as you mentioned earlier, these kind of foundational aspects of, um, you know, living a fulfilled life and a happy life. Um, I think a lot of that has to do, too, with kind of like where you're in lack and you can be in lack in so many different ways. Um, but, you know, like, let's say you're working around the clock and you haven't slept, you're going to probably need some rest. And let's say you're going down that hole and it's because you are disengaged with life. Hearing that message of like, get up, go get engaged Uh is probably going to work for you. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I've more so recently looked to like the internet podcasts, like specifically for me are like educational and motivating in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. I, I do subscribe to this idea of like, you have to create before you consume because you can just consume, consume, like information podcasts and tv shows and stuff and never actually do anything about it Mm -hmm. like you can just be kind of in this perpetual learning cycle and i think that's not exercising the play and the creative side of the brain in the way that it should be but i look to like my biggest role models and this is something i never would have said even two years ago like some of my biggest role models are just people that are online that i've never met yep like Yep. Who are some of the people that like you look up to? Like, do you follow accounts like on Scooty Fund? Are there people that are sort of like key in this field that are really like they have a good message or um, not necessarily through Scooty Fund, but kind of like you, I I consume podcasts mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes what I'm listening to will change on what I'm trying to address in my life. Um, so, you know, like let's probably like six months ago, I started uh, listening to this podcast, Create the Love by Mark Groves. And that was when I was really focusing on my relationships with not only romantic partners, but with others. And I was really kind of diving in internally and then practicing externally, trying to build healthier relationships with some um, key people in my life. Um, So listening to that and kind of hearing him, um, hearing his thoughts on relationship was very helpful hmm. at that time. Um, there, are, you know, other podcasts I'll listen to. Like what, um, what have you, not to cut you off, but like, what have you, how have you changed how you approach relationships? Um, you know, let's see. I think coming in with a learning, but also, um, I think, again, kind of applying the sense of like, I am a learner, um, like wanting to 
learn how the other person communicates well, Mm. um, learn what they're looking for. But then also knowing within myself, like, here are some of my patterns in relationships. I don't, you know, tend to express what I want or I don't tend to express um, when something frustrates me or hurts me until, you know, that has built up and it's been repeated time and time again. And mm-hmm. then it's like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And that oftentimes comes out of left field <laughs> and they're like, well, I didn't realize there was any problem at all. And that can be more than just romantic, but that could be yeah. friendships too. Like it is. The, yep. It can be really hard to like draw a line in the sand with a friendship Yep. and understanding each other. And that's huge. Totally. So you're, you're taking it very introspectively, like yeah. you're looking at yourself, but like, how are you changing your actions? Like how, um, I'm, I'm constantly trying to improve on this yeah. too, because we all have our faults. Right. And one of yeah. mine is like, I don't say lack of compassion, but just lack of like, like I'm not, uh, if you, if you met my brother, he's like the social loving guy cares about everybody. Like I care about people for sure, mm-hmm. but sometimes I have a hard time showing it. Like Right. If, I, if I like to be honest with you, sometimes when I know I have someone who's a friend who's like really struggling with some shit, like really struggling, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, hey, like I'm here for you, man. I'm like, hey, man, like you're going to you're like, what's going on? I'll talk about it, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be like soft about it. And sometimes that might be a bad thing. Like sometimes people should really like you should just I, I think it's partly an insecurity on my end, not being mm-hmm. able to just be like straight up with somebody. But I don't know. Like, how it's do you, difficult. it's really difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are you changing now? Like, how are you improving yourself now? Or like, what are you working on? For me, um, let's see, saying, enforcing my boundaries, first of all. This is a big um, one on Scooty Fund. Yes. Saying no to stuff. Yes. That is one that I have been working. Well, I haven't been working on, but I've been uh-huh needing to work on for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so even in like my close friendships, um, you know, if my friend wants to go out to, I don't know, let's just say a concert and Uh it's not a band. I like, I'm tired. I can see her. I saw her last night, Mm -hmm. you know, various reasons. There's nothing really motivating me important that I value to go to that. Oftentimes in the past, I would, you know, say, sure, I'll go. Yeah. Because I think it comes from like an insecurity or a fear that, you know, I won't be loved or liked or whatever if Uh I don't, you know, please other people. But um, now just saying, you know, no, I'm going to not do that tonight. It's not like I can't. I'm just, I know. Uh (laughs) Um, But I'll see you tomorrow. Um, so saying no, when I want to say it's really hard when they're like on the phone talking Mm -hmm. to you, I've noticed this. It is like, usually for me, it's like CJ calls me, my buddy CJ is like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you want to go to the Bellevue club? And I'm like, I got no plans to go to the Bellevue club to go in the sauna. And that's not a full night commitment, but I'll be like on the phone with him. Like, ah, okay, fine. We'll do it. And I'll I'll just really hard do it. Yeah. I justify it cause it's healthy, but, uh, yeah. How do you like say no? Like what is the key to that? And how do you how do you know when to say no versus how, like, what are the metrics? Is a band that you like, you would say yes? Like, what? Again, <laughs> no, guidebook, <laughs> no guidebook, unfortunately. Right. right. Um, That's too funny. Yeah, I think um, 
for me, I've been really working on a few things um, health wise. And if I feel like it is going to, I've built my internal boundaries. I've kind of come to realize, you know, what, what crosses those boundaries, what is going to stress me out? What is going to put me in a position where I feel uncomfortable? And Mm -hmm. I think being uncomfortable is good sometimes. So not knocking that at all, but what, um, in that moment, is this going to be something that I will be, can look back and say, wow, I'm so glad I went to this concert. I feel really good about being here. Or is it something where it's going to be like, it, there are going to be negative consequences, either mentally or in rea- like outside of myself mm-hmm. um, from going, you know, like, yeah. am I going to wake up and be exhausted all the next day? Um, whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's There's really the- just a case by case kind of thing. Hundred percent. There's this trend happening a lot in a lot of the people that I know, where like they work really hard on the week, and then the weekend is their time to kind of kick back mm-hmm. and relax. They've earned this the weekend, and so you're kind of like uh, damaging your health through consuming alcohol specifically mm-hmm. um, or drugs. But like one of the things that I've found has really changed in the last couple of years for me. And I kind of got over the whole partying thing when I was like 21 or yeah. something. Like I was like done with it by then. And I knew like, I would know, Hey, like I, this is what makes me happy is waking up at 5am skiing at eight forty-five, or in the line where the second people on the chairlift, like right. that's what brings me joy. So if I say yes to these things and like my friends kind of know I'm on my own now anyways, but like there was a, there was that period where like, especially in college, like your roommates, like come out with us, do this, do that. I'm like, I'm focused on like lifting tomorrow or like whatever it is. Like, and often they don't understand that. So you kind of get this, like this, uh, and I'm, it's kind of this like social pressure really. Right. It is. So it's, it can be really hard, but to, I guess to circle out this point is like, for me, surrounding yourself with people that do what you do. Yes. It's like, I have friends shout out JP and Marita and Edon. Like these people are skiing and mountain biking. That's what they love to do. And mm-hmm. I love to do that. So naturally I spend a lot of time with them. Yep. <laughs> so it's, uh, yep. it can be hard though when you're in the same circle all the time and to break out of that and kind of be like, okay, look, I can spend two weekends with my friend group or one a month mm-hmm. rather than every single one. Right. Right. And I think it's a really good point to bring up is surrounding yourself with people who do what you do. I think even deeper surrounding your pe- yourself with people who share your values. Cause and believe what you believe. Yeah. And, stuff. yeah. and they're going to be That's doing what you're said. doing. Better said. And they're also going to be, you know, supporting you hopefully. And you're yeah. going to be getting what you give in relationships. And, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, you can have, like a friend group and let's say this friend group doesn't necessarily share your values and you don't get a lot of joy out of, but you still love all the guys, right? right? Like right. I, this is my situation. Like I love all my friends for mm-hmm. sure. Every single one of them, but they don't like to go to the mountains as much as me. So right. on a Saturday morning, like I'm alone going to the mountains Yep. and that's not a knock on them at all. It's right. just kind of like a, a incompatibility. Right. Yeah. And you can just still to dig myself out of that one, talking <laughs> shit about all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. love. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. But, no, um, but the, the invite is open to anyone who hears this and wants to come hang out. As long as we're in the mountains, I'll probably say yes. So I used to say, to, uh, when I started doing photography, I used to tell 
friends and clients like yeah if you come on a hike with me you get a free photo shoot so like you can get a nice headshot you can get a couple nice stylish photos all you got to do is come on a hike Mm -hmm. yeah so side point there yeah but but it is i think it's really important Mm -hmm. to um you know yes obviously maintain relationships Mm -hmm. i mean be with people you love but to also where do you draw the boundary though right especially if you're in this routine where you live with them all the time like Mm -hmm. how do you take that step where you're just like I'm going to do my own thing tonight. Like it's hard. Honestly, there's no easy answer. Um, but it it comes, I think it really comes down to valuing, like, like you're going to hopefully be living a long time and you want those years to be filled with things that again, you bring you joy and fulfillment. Right. Um, And a lot of the, uh, not saying that it doesn't bring you joy and fulfillment to spend time with your friends. What I'm saying is like every weekend or every night or whatever with the same people, it's like a lot of joy and fulfillment, like fulfillment. If, but Mm -hmm. like, then there's the marginal utility curve that exactly whatever it's not, uh, as fulfilling when you're doing it all the time. Right. It's kind of like, what are you giving up? What aren't you like engaging in? Um, that does bring you a lot of happiness. Mm -hmm. So I think it really is, um, it's going to be different for everyone, but looking at, you know, yourself and where you spend your time. I, um, I forget where I heard this, but it stuck with me for a really long time where you invest your time, you invest your life. Um, Mm. so kind of looking at that and, um, so true. Yeah. Kind of making sure that, you know, where you're investing your time is where you want to invest your time let's talk a little bit more about like creativity mm-hmm. because this is where I think creativity is so huge and it's not really my words. Uh, I work for this guy, Chase Jarvis, who's got a podcast, the Chase Jarvis live podcast. And he talks about how he just wrote a book called creative calling. So this is like in my mind, like I'd probably talk about this on half the episodes, but like with, so everyone's creative, like we're all creative kind of like the three steps of his approach is like, okay, we're all creative a, uh, and, on a daily or what is he god now i'm spacing a little bit on the whole thing but like we're all creative and by creating on a daily basis we're actually creating our life so that's why i'm talking about like that time outside of your 40 hour week job like you're not ever going to create the life you want to live if you're just doing your job right so you have to outside that commitment that you have you have to take extra energy and time to be like first of all, reflect and understand like, okay, maybe I should go this way or this way. And then once you decide to put the energy actually in and execute on that, yes, that's extra work on top of your 40 hour week job. And a lot of people aren't doing that. You might have a friend who's like, just enjoys their, their job and they're just coming back home after a long day and relaxing and you have to get on the computer and you have to do research and you have to do these things like making that transition. So a lot of what he talks about is like create your life through daily actions. Yes which is yes. we are all creative and by creating, we create our lives. That's yep. his whole motto. And I buy into it like 2000%. Yes, so. I completely agree. <laughs> and as a creative person, you might be able to speak to this. Like when you're in that flow, not flow state, don't want to get too, Love it. don't want to get too out there. But mm. like when you're in that state where you're just creating, you're focused on what you're doing. You're in this conversation. We're just focused on talking. Like there's nothing else going on. We have the headphones on. Am I hearing something? I heard that too. What was that? My watch. Um, but you are, first of all, I find myself energized so much. Yes. I'll, it'll be Me 10 too. PM. And if I'm working on a video that I really like, and I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm not even taking my eyes off the screen. My eyeballs are burning. 
I'm thirsty, I'm tired, but all that like goes away just because you're in this like mindset of creating something. Yes. It just feels so good. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not about like the, for me at least, it's really not about the finished project. Totally. Yeah. It's about the action of being in that state that create the creation itself. A hundred thousand percent. And that's life too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's not about where you end. Like no one cares how much money you have when you die. Right. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I, I heard is that, that like dishes or something being done upstairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, sweet. I, let me just look at this thing again. I'm, I'm loving this conversation though. So some of the statistics that I, I this is like mental health is actual epidemic, mm-hmm. like 47 million, one in five Americans experience some sort of mental health challenge in the last year. So like you, you know, five people. Everyone knows five people. So someone in that five people struggled with mental health. And then the other statistic, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it up, is like how many people actually seek help is like so much smaller. It's like um, 80 to 90. Oh, okay. Only half of Americans actually get help for their mental illness and 80 to 90% of those people improve. So it's like, I was thinking about that. Like it's so hard to get yourself to go and like get out of this funk go do what it it takes to like heal yourself Mm -hmm. but if you do get on that path then you 90 80 90 percent of the people seem to do better in some way yeah yep and i think oftentimes i think there's a lot of fear and shame associated with it um and those two things kind of add up to stigma um and even if you know there's a seems like I've noticed, you know, people are openly talking about mental health and, um, you know, things that help and they're talking about therapy, but then in some circles, right? Yes. You know, everyone's little circle is different. Right. And other communities, like I was, I was watching something about like the, the black community, especially Mm -hmm. with younger guys, like it's not very, not very common that people talk about mental wellness. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing not to keep cutting you off again, but everyone is coming at it from a different perspective. Like your, when I'm talking about my friends here or your friends, like we're only in this little circle and there's so many people that we don't actually know what they're living. Right. So not to, not to blockade you, but you're totally right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Um, I guess, yeah, I should speak from within my circle and I know that it is, um, in this regard, it's probably more open and progressive than a lot of other right. um, social, you know, situations. Um, but there seems to be a trend towards, you know, being open about the topic of mental health, but not necessarily saying like, oh, I feel OK, you know, saying like I have depression, you know, like taking that next step and saying like, you know, I've been feeling really, really down. I'm going to go book something with a therapist. Mm -hmm. I think there's still a huge um, gap between, uh, you know, this openness about knowledge and about the thing in and of itself. And then, you know, saying like, okay, well, great. Like I'm going to say, or I'm going to admit this to myself, admit it to at least one other person, a therapist Mm -hmm. um, and tackle this. Um, And I think, it's hard to know what 
steps to take um, to to address that, I yeah. guess. So there's this brings me straight to this uh, thing that I was thinking about the other day and something I heard when I was in business school, which is there's this like management principle theory, something, I don't know what it's called. Some guy's last name theory. And uh, there's essentially the idea is that there's like five steps and this has helped me try to understand better how to like approach other people and like put myself in someone else's who's struggling perspective. But there's like five levels of this. um, It's like happiness, five levels of happiness basically. And at the top level, you're like thrilled about your life, fulfilled every single day. You're so happy. The next level, you're like pretty happy. Like you're just, you're a pretty content person. The middle level is like, yeah, life is whatever, what it is like. Mm -hmm. And then like the lower level is like, you're sad. And then the bottom level is like, you're a terrorist pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) You like want to hurt people. So, and the idea is that it's a management principle, a leadership principle. I don't know the name, like I said, but the idea is that you can't take someone from one, one level past the one above it or below it. So people don't jump from like suicidal and depressed to thrilled about life. Right. And you have to understand in your mind, like I I just get from step four to three. Like if I can go from, and if you're like someone else looking at someone's situation, then it's like, Hey, how can we get this person from like really being suicidal to just hate it? Like really being sad, right? Like step in. And then from really being sad, being alive there. Exactly. Yes. Like, um, that principle, I, I, I'm, it, no one said that this applies to mental wellness more, more like, actually, I guess they kind of did, but more, it was more for like a business setting. Like how can you communicate as a leader to a team of people who chances are some people are stoked, some people are not. And so you're talking, you're trying to lead a team of people and you can't use the same techniques on every single person right? because they respond differently. Right. So that has helped me sort of say, okay, like how, how do the strategies change? Like if you, if you break down people's mental wellness in five stages, like you could say that probably if you knew they were in one of those stages, you could customize a solution or you could tailor your words towards them or your understanding about their situation in a way that could be beneficial. Right. And it's like, you're going to respond to someone who is let's say in crisis, like having suicide ideation immediately, very differently than you're going to respond to someone who has been coping with, you know, panic attacks for the past couple, like years, even. Speaking of panic attacks, I was listening to that Jocko podcast I mentioned. He's like, if you're having a panic attack, first thing you should do, breathe in three seconds in, 10 seconds out three seconds in 10 seconds out. So you just breathe in three seconds and then you hold the the out breath for 10 seconds. And just like that will help. It's Mm -hmm. not going to solve everything, but breathing is huge. Right. It's like little tricks like that. I catch myself sometimes, even before we start to record some of these podcasts, I catch myself like my heart rate rises. I'm like, Oh shoot. Like I'm a little nervous for this. And then I just take a breath, slow down. Like I'm more in, touch with how the connection between my mental state and my physical body and then than I was in the past yes but the, that's a technique even actors use yep like before they go act with a lot of pressure they have to get in some character and like really do it they breathe and they meditate yep I um oftentimes I'll get really nervous before 
um, actually meeting someone for the first time. Totally. I don't know. Like that is a Especially very, our first date. yep. Yeah. That's that is stressful. It is so stressful. And I <laughs> noticed my body getting into anxiety. Um, yeah. and breathing really helps me. There's but you also do it anyways, once in a while, I you, do. you take, you I do. deal I, with that stress. Yes. <laughs> I try, I'm trying to, um, you know, like, like, I don't remember the word, but like signal to my body that even though I'm feeling the stress, the situation does not require it. So I'm going for it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Opposite action. Um, but one thing that I do as well is I'll hold my breath and hold like an ice pack on my forehead because there's a nerve right there that if you hold your breath and simultaneously do the ice pack thing or put your face in water, it signals to your body that you're drowning. So your body will actually like try and conserve energy, stop freaking out and using all of this needless energy for anxiety and it'll calm you down. That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. So there are these, you know, your mind and your body, it's one in the same. And there are definitely, you know, things you can do that are physical that will signal to your mind that it doesn't need to be in this place of fear and anxiety. I love it. So living in LA, is it hard for you to find that place of quiet, maybe go down to the beach or something like being in this bustling city? Uh, You know, I have to be very intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a very, I found high energy city. Um, Just everything is always going. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I am very intentional about, you know, taking time in the morning to either go to the beach and run because I live a few blocks from the beach, which is amazing. Nice. And I love going at that hour because it's before anyone is out and it's kind of my connection with nature um, Mm -hmm. and just being in like the awesomeness of seeing the ocean and the sky and um, moving as well is great. Um, So I build in time for that. Um, or I'll start my morning by going to, um, this little coffee shop I really like and just taking an hour to kind of be and mm. just like start slowly. Um, no laptop, no, no laptop, no work. Nope. Wow. Nope. You just go have a coffee, sit yep. down. Yep. And, um, I, that for me has been really huge is just taking that time. So I'm not like up going, doing, you know, one thing and another, it kind of like starts my day with. Yeah more than there's more than my work day already. Um, and then again, finding very intentional time to, um, you know, sit in my room even for like 15 minutes and just like hang out. And, um, that's so hard for me to do. It is. It's really hard. My mind is like, like in going your head, all over the like, place. What I want to do right now is sit down and just be. Yep. And then you have these other things like pull your phone up, look at exactly. listen to a podcast, turn yep. the TV on. I, I've been trying to make these times <laughs> Whatever, like yeah. meditation. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, when I'm like sitting there, my mind is still just going all over the place. So I can't, I don't feel comfortable calling it meditation yet. (laughs) Don't sell yourself short. That's, that's another thing that, um, there's a guy named Ryan holiday who wrote a book about stillness and he's makes this good point, which is if you're like really, really overweight, for example, the, the solution for you is not to like focus on your macronutrient and like ratios and like all these little technical details. Like it's just, 
to go for a walk. Like mm-hmm. just change, just, you don't need to like change your whole diet and stop eating everything you want to eat. And like, it's going, like he said, it's like going from two Oreo boxes to one. Yeah. Like, and meditation is kind of the same way is it can be considered this more advanced therapy, more advanced like thing for a lot of people. Some people just, just need to put the phone down and go for a walk or like, mm-hmm. I don't even know, like just, just something that's like not meditating for some people. It's like, ah, oh, that's so hard. Like I don't have time for that or whatever. There's whatever everyone has their own perspective on meditation. But I would say you are meditating to some degree mm-hmm. and you're in this, it's a, that's why they call it a practice. Yeah. It's like you're practicing in five years. If you keep practicing, if you keep doing this, you're going to be better than you are now. Right. Right. That's why it's not like something that it's like, boom, you achieve it. So I, I try and encourage people to like, think about, Hey, I can meditate. Like I've had, I've had people come up to be like, oh, I've never, really, I've tried, I've, you know, I do a lot of breathing stuff, but I never have really meditated. It's like, they're searching for this feeling that comes over them or something right. where you're like, and I don't know what people's perception is of what meditation is, but it's literally just nothingness. This is from my first podcast, Joel. He said, it's just nothingness. Like, it's just, it's just, that's it. Like there's no complexities to it really. Mm-hmm. So and that's, yeah. That's I huge. think that's actually re- something that's really hard to grasp is that a lot of these things are like simple. Yes, that totally. It's, it's not this really complex thing that you can figure out and have your finger on once it's figured yeah. out. It's really simple. 100%. Mm-hmm. And to go back to the water thing, I just have to bring this up mm-hmm. because I had my last podcast was with a guy who his company, he, he's like an entrepreneur, just started a company that makes cold plunge tubs for they put cold water they have a refrigerator unit that they basically created their own like whatever the device is in refrigerator they make the water cold with that device it's like a home they build these things in their backyard they're beautiful handcrafted um things so cool and we were talking a ton about the power of water and like also listening to this podcast with um dr wallace j nichols the blue mind theory which is this theory that positioning yourself in around next to or near water just makes you happier i don't know that's probably not the theory but it's something Mm -hmm. basically like we are people are more calm when they're by the water like if you go on a run and the beach is right there chances are you're going to go by the beach like that's an instinctual thing that's built into us i don't know if it's because water equals life or what a lot of people attributed that to that but when we are and i've been jumping in the lake getting in the lake this week every day just like in the morning just like actually i will say today i didn't do it the last four days i did it and and i noticed a significant like i got actually just it i noticed a lot has happened in the last even the last couple days i've been doing it on and off for like the last year but i actually got out of the water the other day like after a minute, I can only go a minute or so in this 52 degree water. It's cold. And I get out and like the day is brighter. Like literally my eyes are looking at the world in a different way. I'm like, oh my God, like look at how green the grass is. Like feeling the air. Like it's just, it like exhilarates my life in a way. Yeah. Like, without needing to drink coffee or do anything else. Like I just go down, hop on my bike or car, go down to the park, jump in the water. Yep. So I'm like, I love that you bring that up. And I just had to, I had to bring this up because it's been sort of something that I think is huge. Like just splashing your face with water, like these little like hacks almost. Right. It's like understanding the human 
we're like just a computer and if you hit the right <laughs> buttons then the computer works right right and um yeah. i think you know there's there's kind of all of this i don't want to say like mystery but almost like confusion or um yeah, whatever yeah. it is is because we've gotten away from these things True. away from these buttons that True. you know if we're hitting them we're doing all right True. I think that's like, to me, the key of this conversation is like, we have, I don't know, we put it in different words, like these buttons, these pillars, these things that are lacking, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like, you can't point to just one, you have to kind of assess your life. I'm sure there's, um, I actually started like a health and fitness club in college and they had these resources, the wellness center in campus had these resources where you could take a test online and it would tell you which areas of your mental wellness or of your overall wellness are lacking probably still exists i don't it's probably still out there but you it's like there's 12 categories or something like that and it was pretty comprehensive um but that's where i would start like if i don't know i'm i'm at a point where i'm trying to like just continue to like become more solid mentally. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to slip. I just want to keep driving forward. Like I want my mental wellness to support the life that I want to live. But also I really think this conversation and just having conversations like this are so huge because even if you take away one small thing from it, like it might improve your life in a positive way. I agree. Like you never know. I've had people reach out to me very recently and they're like i heard what you said or i saw your instagram post and like that brings me joy yeah that resonates i'm not like trying to preach to anybody like i sit over here and preach behind the mic because that's what i do but like (laughs) it's not to tell people what to do it's just to provide my perspective right like you being someone so passionate about what you do are like perfect for this conversation because uh when you're passionate about something, then you have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I just love it. I'm so excited to like, see how your journey continues. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, this was just amazing. I know. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is really, really great. We can I keep talking it. too. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're just on a roll. This is at hour 15. Um, one of the things that I've asked every episode is what advice would you give to yourself? I've been kind of like changing the duration, mm-hmm. but like five years ago. Five years ago. Or like, like tw- age 18. Age 18. And that's, every change is so, so much, learn. right? You had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn. <laughs> what would you tell yourself at age like 21? 21, I still had a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> still do. Um, yeah, I think I've actually been speaking with um, kind of small groups of high schoolers recently. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, five of the things that I share with them are... Uh, radical acceptance. Which um, is? So basically accepting reality yourself and others for what they are. Instead of, let's say, um, you know, my, uh, I'm trying to think of a. Is it like I have red hair? I don't want to have red hair. I have to accept having red hair. Yeah, exactly. Or like and then, I'm not fast or I'm not as right. good as. Matt at baseball. Right. Which was Matt or heck for me. Right. And <laughs> like stuff like accepting that. Accepting yeah. that instead of like fighting that in your head. Let's use the red hair example. Yeah. Um, I have red hair. I shouldn't have red hair. God, I hate having red hair. I shouldn't have red hair. Yeah. Um, once you say like, I have red hair, you can either say, okay, like that's fine by me. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, okay, well, I think I'll try and change that. 
and buy a box of hair dye. Yeah. So once you accept something as the reality, uh-huh. um, instead of trying to fight against it or say it shouldn't be as it is, it allows you to either move on from that and say you're like, all right, great, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. Or say, okay, no, I can't. I'm going to actively change that. Um, it allows you to act. Yes. It allows you to like make movement. Okay. Yes. I love it. And, and come to kind of a conscious place um, and a purposeful place mm-hmm. instead of denying what actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, uh, that would have been a very, very helpful tool. Um, you know, even something as simple as, um, you know, having a test like the next day, I can say like, I don't think I should have a test. I'm going to ignore it. That's not my reality. I'm going to go out and party tonight. And then I go in for the test the next day and I'm completely unprepared. If I say, okay, I have a test tomorrow. Um, I really want to do well. So I'm going to take this time and study. That's, you know, an action that I am choosing if I, yeah. right, if I accept that I have a test tomorrow and I say, you know, I, I'm okay with failing it, I'm going to go out, then that's also an action and it's something that I'm choosing. Mm-hmm. So it brings about like an ability to feel more um, empowered within your life. Totally. Mm-hmm. Number two? Um, like second. Yeah, you got okay. five, I thought. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, practicing vulnerability, uh-huh. um, asking for help when I need help, um, has always been really, really hard for me. Um, and then letting people help me, um, has been really hard for me. So Mm. practicing vulnerability in that way, and then just being open with like who I am and, you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, um, being vulnerable and just showing the world, like, here's, here's me, Mm -hmm. um, has been, something that I've actually really had to work on. And it sounds really simple, but for me, it's not. You got to be, I, I've been thinking about this one a lot recently. Like if you're not telling your story, if you're not open to telling your story, you're you're holding yourself back. Yes. And if you're not like telling, if you're not being honest, even with the close people around and you don't have to go on social media and post like, here's my story and this right. and that, which if you want to do that, do it. Like right. if you want to tell everyone about your transformation mentally or physically in some way, like do it, but like, don't feel pressure to do that, but do feel some pressure to like, talk about it, tell, tell something even like, I think we should be more proud of who we are, even if it's not pretty all the time. Like, even if like, yeah, you had a tough time going through some shit, like, okay, you're human. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Let's talk about that. Yeah. There's everyone has to deal with that. Yeah. That's huge. Being vulnerable is huge. It is. It's not easy. It's not. It's really not, yeah. but it's worth practice. It. It's like one of those things with practice. Like mm-hmm. there's speakers that go up and they talk about the most brutal traumatic things that have happened to them matter of factly. And mm-hmm. they're not emotionally connected because they've like given that up. Like, right. So maybe this, maybe like trauma and like emotional, like distress kind of fits into one of the other yeah. categories that you'd mentioned. But um, yeah, I think trauma specifically like if you had something bad that happened to you in the past like that's going to manifest unless you actively or consciously kind of like internalize it you're okay with it like Mm -hmm. you can whether you need to be vulnerable and talk about it some things maybe it is better just to like put it away like I don't usually advocate for that but it sometimes could be better just to like say okay like 
I made a mistake. Like, I don't need to like live it every day. Like I, you get to decide like your own story in a lot of ways. Like right. no one else is writing your, your story for you. And this right. is something I hear all the time, but like write your own script. Cause it's like, people are going to judge you. Sure. Like whatever that happens, mm-hmm. that's, that's society. But like no one really cares that much to the point where they're going to like, they don't determine your truth. Like right. only you determine your truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's easy. That's kind of a cliche thing to say, but like, but it's true. It's a lot true. of these cliches I'm just finding are like true. <laughs> I just listen to all these podcasts and hear from people that are, they've achieved something and not to say achievements, the greatest thing, but they've achieved something personally, mm-hmm. externally, whatever it done is. Done something meaningful. Yeah. They've done something meaningful. And like one of the biggest things is like not caring what people think, mm-hmm. like give that up. Yep. Another thing for me is like have mental constructs in place that support you going through challenges and things like that. Yes. Because if you're going through something and you're telling yourself, um, this is the worst thing ever. I'm, I crashed my car. Oh, I'm this, this is the worst thing ever. Like whatever it is, crash your car is probably not a good example. Like I lost my job or Uh something like that. Like if you tell yourself my career's over, this is brutal. Like you're not going to act on it. You're not going to like do anything. You're just going to feel sorry for yourself. Right. But if you're like, okay, like I had some shit happen to me and this is an opportunity to like come back stronger. Yep. Which is like, yep. Actually one of um, the other ones, third thing um, is rethinking failure. Love it. Yep. And that is literally exactly what you said. Um, So I can, let's, let's say lose the job. Uh Um, There's that one way of looking at it as I failed. This is huge. This is, you know, I'm, my career is done because I failed. Um, and like stuff feels like that when you're in high school, does. especially yes. college, like getting into medical school. I had friends like freaking out, like getting into college, people, SATs freaking out mm-hmm. like in the moment you're, it is real. It like, is. It is like, it feels yeah. that momentous. Yeah. Um, but really, again, all of this is a practice kind of working on shifting that perspective to, well, this is an opportunity for me to find something else, do something else. Mm-hmm pursue whatever, find, you know, a company with a better fit, take a break for a while. So viewing these things as either opportunities to grow, opportunities to learn, Mm -hmm. if it really was like a mistake on your part, or you feel like it was a mistake, um, rather than, you know, this model of success failure um, has, I think has really helped me too. There's, I'm going to mess up his name, but uh, another reference is like Jajing or something like that. This guy has this idea called rejection therapy where he set out every day to get rejected for 30 days. Did you hear about this? I did. I did. So like he asked some woman out on a date, whatever to, he asked a cop if he could drive the cop car and the cop said, yes. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) what? Uh, He, he would just like try and get rejected on things because Mm -hmm. what he realized, one of the things he realized is like actually being rejected doesn't actually hurt so bad. No, it's no, Someone saying yeah. no to you, like when you get away from that as defining kind of who you are or something like major, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Do you think that takes repetitions or is there a way to just like 18 year old Casey just gets it? Like, I'm going to just take on failure. Like it's nothing. Like, can you, Ooh, you see what I'm saying? Like, can, can we just say this and can it actually be applied to somebody who's on their own path and they're like, oh, actually Uh, rejection isn't the worst thing or do you have to learn it firsthand um i think 
I think there's a hybrid. I mm-hmm. think that you can choose to take risks that, you know, you could be in a position where someone would say no to you without necessarily needing that kind of like beat down of, mm-hmm. of your structure of thinking. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like, like for me, one thing that getting rejected was never necessarily my biggest fear. Um, like senior year of college, I thought I had a job afterwards. Turns out the, I was in print design mm-hmm. and, um, magazines are not necessarily on the, <laughs> on the up and up. So, uh, there was no job for me after I graduated and I sent out resume after resume, after resume, after resume, and just expecting that it would just be nope, nope, nope. But, you know, with the belief that if you aren't putting yourself out there, if you aren't setting yourself up for, um, to hear that no, and for that rejection, then you aren't setting yourself up to hear yes either. So, wow, that's powerful <laughs> for sure. But not being delusional and being like, everyone's going to say yes to me. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's really powerful. Yeah. The reality is like, if you look at anyone who's achieved anything, like they're all, they all say, Oh, I had so much challenge. You see me on the stage right now, accepting this award or Academy award winner or whatever. Like they had to go through the ringer like 14,000 times. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, myself included, like we want the easy route. Right. We don't want to go through the ringer. The ringer doesn't look very good. Right. Like the cold water in the lake doesn't look very good when I'm walking up to it. But like, I just tell myself, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through the actions. And then looking back on it, I'm like, Oh, glad I did that. Right. Like we create the life that we want on with daily actions. Right. And I'm like, I'm so bought into this. Yeah. And it's so easy to like, I guess I have a question, which is like, how do you act on, you know, you love something like, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth. You love this idea of like helping people. Mm-hmm. It seems like you yes. really enjoy that. So knowing that, like, how do you, instead of just sit back and like, know that, like, how do you act on it? Like, how do you get home from work? Like, actually, like, do you like put, write it down? Like, do you set something in your phone, like to make it happen? Like, how do you get over that barrier, which is like between taking action towards something better for yourself and Mm -hmm. sitting and kind of just like letting the situation stew for me personally um i do think everyone kind of has a different way of going about it i've noticed that typically when i say something out loud to another person i'm very likely to follow that up with action like once it's out in the world Mm -hmm. it's like it becomes more real for me is that just because you can't like not live that out you have integrity Integrity, uh-huh. yes. And I think also seeing their response to uh-huh. it actually helps me. So usually I'll start with like, um, when I was thinking about going back to school, the first person I told was actually my therapist. Uh-huh. And she told me she hadn't seen me this excited about something um, since she'd known me. Wow. And hearing that response, it's like, wow, you know, like this you know, not only am I thinking that this is a path I'm interested in, but it's sounding like others think I'm interested too. (laughs) This is wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So having it out there um, builds up, I think my confidence in taking next steps to make it a reality. hundred percent with like this podcast. I just, 
put it off for a couple months. Like I recorded an episode, put it off, didn't do anything with it. And then finally the guy I recorded the episode with was like, dude, what's going on? Are we going to put this out there or not? I said, Hey, Joel, I'm going to have this episode done by tomorrow. And boom, that's how I got started. Yep. And it's yep. like, I, yeah, it's, it's really all about that. Like, yeah. Com- it's not all about that, but it's, it's a huge factor. Cause like, and this is something you can speak to as this founder of the Scooty fund. When you're starting something from the ground up, it can be, it's not smooth sailing. No, like, not at all. <laughs> it's like, oh, we have this idea. This is like the Chase Jarvis's thing, like the creative creator's journey. Mm-hmm. Like, start with an idea. This is great. And then you start to execute it. And then if you're looking at like a graph, you know, like happiness or whatever, and then like time on the X axis, like it's going, it's, there's some brutal times once you start executing, yep. like once you start trying to get into schools and do all these things, like it's not all butterflies. Right. But then you start to dig back out. So like, how yep. do you, do you see satisfaction in like starting something? Cause I've, I got so much satisfaction out of, I get a lot of satisfaction of seeing something go from an idea to something yes. in the world. Yes. This I've, conversation, for example, like I get stoked about Casey's coming on Friday. We're going to have this conversation about all these things that are in my head. Like this is perfect. Right. And so now it's like seeing it come to life. This is just a micro scale, one podcast, but do you get um, a lot of fulfillment out of that? Or is it more about the people that you're helping? Um, I get, I think when I'm really passionate about something, I get fulfillment, I think, yeah, by starting it. Uh Um, I'm very more, I'm more, and I've actually noticed this when I'm making paintings. Um, And I like to kind of compare those two processes. So when I start a painting, you know, it's, it's hard to get started because I'm like, well, you know, I have this big idea in my head and where do I start? How do I start? How do I express this? Like, you know, kind of going through all of those questions. And, um, finally, once I'm started, it's great and I'm loving it. And it looks really bad as like, you know, there's color over here and none over here and you can't tell what it is. And I kind of think of that as like the challenges in the beginning. It's, it's not, it's not looking good. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, you know, where I'd like it to be at all. It's challenging. Um, but then as it comes together and as it grows and as it gets towards more towards my vision, I love that entire process where I really struggle is when it's at the point where I'm feeling like, wow, look at like this thing that I have been working on and I've been creating and like, look at the process that's brought me to this place. Now, what if I mess up? And Mm. that once things are like, you know, rolling and I'm actually feeling good, I'm definitely more of the person to um, be like fearful of in my mind. And this is something I'm really trying to get away from, but messing it up by continuing to move forward. Um, When really that forward motion is only usually going to continue to like elevate whatever it is that's there. Mm hundred percent. So do you feel like the Scooty fund has grown to a place where you could mess it up? Like, I think it's I only going, yet. yeah, yep. <laughs> you're I still think growing it. We're still Once growing. It's, it's beautiful artifact or yeah. beautiful. 20 years down the road, yeah. then maybe we'll be like, Oh, I'll be well, in a different place. <laughs> that's the difference between a piece of art and like a community of people. Mm-hmm. Because what you're building is a community. It's more so a community than like a foundation or right, something like that. Right, it is. So you have a community, 
something goes wrong, the community is still going to be there. Right. You have a painting, something goes wrong, the painting is ruined. Yes. So it's a yes. little bit different at least. So yep. there's some there's some encouragement for you. Yeah. But I want to see the Scooty Fund like make ripples and I would like Thank to you. be a part of it and like more than ripples. Like, Thank you. Freaking waves. And even if like even if just a few people have been helped at this point probably much more than that like how how often do you hear from somebody reaching out to you and like what's this is a question that I wrote down that I haven't even looked at this thing very much but like what are some stories of people that have reached out and said like given feedback or like what are some of the results of the scooty funds like actions a lot of um the feedback is over like instagram um, cause that's, you know, one of our main platforms. And how do we find you on Instagram? Uh, at the Scooty fund, the Scooty fund, so the Scooty fund, the S C O O T Y F U N D. Yes. Perfect. Yep. Got it. Um, but a lot of, uh, messages will come from, have we even said why it's called the Scooty fund? We have not. God. We have not. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Backtrack. I'm going to put that in the intro for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to like lay it out on what Perfect. the context here. Perfect. We'll be in there. Yes. Okay. Um, it was my brother's <laughs> nickname through basketball. <laughs> yes. We all called, we all called Will Scooty. I don't really know where it came from, but, yeah. uh, probably Alex Manuel's Espen Plateau. Some of those guys came up with that name and, um, yeah, that's too funny. But I know. We never made it that far. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the question? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> um, people have reached out yeah, yeah, yeah. through, uh, Instagram messages most often and people who I don't know or haven't heard from for years and just said you know like thank you for doing this this resonates with me yeah. or and on comments too you see yeah. it all the time mm-hmm. yeah. um like this really helped um and then oftentimes too uh you know wellness warriors will say you know it felt good to open up about this yeah. or to share this um and hopefully they're getting you know positive feedback as well throughout their share that's another big thing the people that are making the wellness, it's kind of a selfish thing for me to say that I enjoyed that process. Not like, selfish at all. It's, I enjoyed just like talking on my phone and like saying, oh, here's my day to day. Like that's fun. Mm-hmm. And like just knowing that like some amount of people are actually watching that and they're like thinking about it. And then someone like Matt Dalman comes up to me. He's like, oh, I saw your Scooty Fun takeover. <laughs> people say it to me all the time. I saw your Scooty Fun takeover. That's probably like the last time when like a lot of people have seen me. It's like <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> but yeah, that's a huge part of the process is the person who's sharing is benefiting. And right. This is kind of like, I don't know from pers- firsthand, of course, but like I've heard from people that when you go through a, like an addiction, when you go through rehabilitation, the last step of the 12 step process is helping yep. other people that because you're actually helping yourself. Yep. And it's actually, they say that, you know, like that is once you're sober, that's the thing that's going to keep you sober is, right. um, helping out someone who is going through what you went through mm-hmm. um and giving to others kind of thing uh-huh. so so you get a lot of dms yes a lot of comments and yep. things like that yep um and then you know another aspect as i briefly mentioned is speaking with like young people directly and um you know hearing the overwhelmingly positive feedback from them is really fulfilling as well. Really gratifying. Um, yeah, really just like hearing, hearing from the people 
um, through Instagram or directly is been the biggest thing. Huge. Mm -hmm. Like I would encourage anyone who has been impacted by the Scooty Fund to just shoot you a message and be like, hey, like love this, whatever. You know, (laughs) it doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to pour it all out. But yeah, that's pretty cool. It really makes it worth it to know that like people are being helped. 100%. Like Mm -hmm. I started that health and fitness club that I mentioned briefly. I've probably mentioned it a few times, but I was like in the, I had started, put so much time into starting it, invested. I basically saw that people were scared to go to the gym because it's hard to go to the gym and they weren't eating that healthy on campus. So I was like, excuse me. Um, I was just like, okay, well we might as well start a health and fitness club. And I went through this year long process that was so brutal all these meetings, it was such a like grueling process. We got started, it got the initial high of like, oh, we started this group. And then it got like two months in and I'm still like on the online portal, like filling out all these forms to get like a room to meet in and like trying to get people to join all the time. And like, we had 20 stu- we had twenty people showing up, like hundred or so like signups, but like 20 or 25 would show up to the meetings. And I was just like, what am I doing this for? Like I had this moment where I was just like questioning, like, why did I even start this in the first place? Yes, I think that's a pretty common um, question, especially when you're kind of in the thick of it. And you have this vision like, oh, everyone's going to join and like, we're going to like make these big changes. And then you do get like, I had a kid come up to me, uh, Joe Pa, this kid's name is Joe Pa. Love this guy. He's a couple years below me student uh i think he's a freshman at the time or sophomore he's like hey man i uh cut out sugar from my diet i'm feeling a lot better and i like almost broke into tears i was like holy shit this is why i do this club this is why i put in all that time like so that's why i'm asking like it sounds like you get a ton of positive fulfillment out of like just one person yeah and so it really is and what it comes down to is like like honestly if you can just help like one person right that's that's amazing huge yeah yeah Absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what I was going to say, but um, uh, yeah, when when you, and the, I guess what I'll say is the future like potential, like if we can get more people involved in this conversation, like you don't have to necessarily do a wellness warrior takeover, but like talk about mental health with your friends. Yeah, like, exactly. Yep. And it's not even... <laughs> here's a take that I've got. It's not even like a cliche thing to talk about like politics. Like, Oh, why are we talk about that? It's not talking about mental health in like a, like a, like a weird, like classic, like classy or like clinical way. Right. Even. Just talk about like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Like, how are you, like, how are you doing? Like, yeah. And like actually asking like, like what are you doing this weekend? Or like, like with the lens of like, how is this person like improving or like sustaining their happiness? Yeah. And I see a lot of people that, um, I, I guess I know people that like have a hard time with finding a hobby is one thing, but, um, yeah, I just think like having the conversation and just keeping like, just keeping that conversation alive is like the number one thing. Yep. And, uh, and I guess it just, it doesn't have to be just to reiterate, like it doesn't have to be this awkward, weird. I actually find it interesting to talk about this. Yeah, me too. It's like hard in some ways. 
because you're like thinking about like your own things that have happened to you or you're thinking about your friends, you're feeling bad about someone else who's going through something. But like the end of the day, like talking about it is better than not talking about it. Right. And we need to not judge each other. Like some people, I don't, no one comes to mind right now, but there can be some people that are pretty, um, sort of like insensitive to people yes. that are going through things. They're like, Oh, like that's all nonsense. Or like they try and attribute what like, no, oh, like I'm, I have my perspective. They try to kind of force that on somebody else right. or like, we just need to not judge each other. First of all, like, yeah. um, like all conflict stems from just a miscommunication. A yeah. lot of it, like it's just a misunderstanding most of the time, like people mean well and there's like, supportive of each other for the most part right like people want to help right like, if you ask for it um so that's just kind of my that's just kind of my hour and a half into our conversation rant <laughs> um but i feel like we covered a ton of ground i agree um, i wrote like other things in here uh but you should probably get going pretty soon one thing that i so we talked about creativity we talked about core practices establishing core practice in the morning is crucial. You mentioned yes. it, but I didn't comment on it before you get your, the email start coming in and your brain yes. changes modes to like uh reactive mode. I, someone put it this way, but like you're, you wake up and you're sort of, you have this opportunity before your brain goes into reaction mode where you're just like constantly getting all these inputs to set the course for the day. Yes. Pretty much. So that's huge. I wrote that down. Um, and as far as like your journey goes, like what, what can we expect from Scooty Fund? How can people get involved? Like what, how, what are, um, what's the next thing on the agenda? That, are you going to make a video sometime? I've been <laughs> circling that, circling yes, that one, but yes, I would love to make That'd a video. That'd be amazing. I think the stories that we tell are so powerful and the story of how this thing came to be and like what the message is around it is, is just like needs to be told more that so would be amazing like amazing it would be it would be super I would, it would be like something that i would love to do yeah yeah so that's we can look out for that yes um, please I, my schedule didn't line up with you guys last year in the summertime when we were gonna meet and it was just yeah. like i was traveling and stuff like that but no it's always I'm hard also taking more time to w sure like work hard but also take some time to just like volunteer and do some things and i feel like i have this computer and camera like why don't i donate my time to like tell a story like just that is something like instead of going and volunteering at northwest harvest like i mm -hmm. can use my skills and the equipment and the passions that i have to like achieve that same end just kind of why i got into filmmaking is because i see it as a powerful tool for change yes i completely agree and i I guess the last thing, well, I don't know, maybe we'll talk a couple more minutes, but time heals things. Yes. Can you speak to that at all? Oh like, my gosh, yes. Time is, it, yeah, the biggest healer. And I know that's cliche, but it really is. Um, you know, like with my brother, right after he died, it was, I felt like I had like literally been like cut, oh. kind of like just that like. Like, I didn't oh know gosh. pain like that was possible. Um, and with time, and I think with, um, it's it's not an easy process, too. Um, so I think time, when it's used in a way that allows for healing, 
um, I think is the best. Um, so, you know, like letting, letting, you know, people love me, like love the people I love, um, you know, going to therapy, like working on things um, with my own, like, thinking patterns and stuff and letting time myself can also, heal. Time can also be bad. Right. Time can, things can fester and boil. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think. I like what you said about that. Like yeah. purposeful almost. Yes. Purposeful time. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. Intentional. Yeah. Will, uh, Will and I growing up in the Mercer Island basketball system, Ed Peppel used to always say, practice doesn't make perfect. Oh, I have something in my throat. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. That's good. Right? Cause there's yep. always that cliche Oh, practice makes perfect. But if yep. you're not purposeful or intentional about it, right. If you're practicing the wrong thing, if yeah. you're spending your time stuffing down your emotions and yeah. like going off the deep end, like that is going to have a very different effect yeah. long-term or if then. you're turning to substances right. or right. some sort of negative thing. Yeah, yep. totally. And I do think with painful emotions, there's a lot of, there's a pretty strong desire to escape and to um, to like shut it down, um, but again, long term, that's only gonna it's only gonna build up the pressure of it being there, kind of thing. So, um, time I feel in the same way that kind of like a physical cut will heal, it's still very heavy, and like you know, I still think about my brother every day of course um but it's not it's not an most of the time it's not a painful experience for me um and that's 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 really powerful to hear yeah for me also but just like for other people because like we've all like lost people to this and uh like to hear you say that like your will's older sister like to hear you say that like it doesn't cause so much pain right or like it doesn't you did you almost say like it doesn't cause you and like that same feeling of being cut like, right that's gone that's yeah that's gone there's still you know i i miss him course, and like yeah. i wish that you know this is my not well i've accepted reality but you know i still wish that he were here um but there's not that it's not that pain that you know, followed for the weeks and even like the months after. Yeah. One of my friends, my sophomore year in school, in college, one of my friends, um, older brothers passed away out of the blue. And like, I just, yeah, he gave me this piece. He, I posted this quote that he gave me on the Scooty Fund Wellness Warriors Takeover when I did it. Mm-hmm. But he was basically like, when you're in this place of like total, total darkness, like you can't imagine that the day will ever be brighter. No, like, you, you can, really can't. But if you look at it objectively, like if you just take a step out of your shoes and you're just like, okay, here are all these people who have had horrible trauma happen to them. They are in the pits of despair, to say the least, right? Some of those people, a lot of them actually, they end up getting better and they look back and they're like, wow, I'm happier than I was then. So when you're, it's like this, um, Jocko talks about in this video, like you're in the storm, like you feel like you're in a storm. If like go outside, if there's a storm happening, it feels like everything is a storm. Right. Because all you can see, you're looking around, there's just rain and clouds and thunder everywhere. It's brutal. But if you are in a plane, like 
50,000 feet in the air, 30,000 feet high, you might be above the storm. Not everything is the storm. Right. So the storm will pass. It's only a, so these are like kind of two things. One, what my buddy Kevin told me, which was you feel like it's the end, like it's the worst thing ever, but it isn't. Right. It will, time will pass and this like storm will go. Mm -hmm. So that's like hope. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. Like having some hope, like I've, yeah, that would be like the only thing I, I don't like to prescribe or tell people anything, but like that's one thing just from hearing from my buddy who had been through some, some of that, like depression after this happened with his brother. And, uh, he said it like, and you say it too. I think it's so powerful to hear from someone who's been through it. Like, yeah. Cause like, I know there'll be challenges in my future. Like yeah. there'll be more challenges in your future. Yep. Horrible, bad things happen. It's yeah. just, it's life. It's brutal, but that's also kind of what makes it beautiful in a way. Like it's short. It's like so fragile. Yes. Like, it is. So we have to live it up, yeah. I guess, you know. It's such this incredible, like, thinking of life as an opportunity, like a gift that, such you know, whatever your belief system may be, it right. is a gift to be here. Right. And it's going to entail a lot of, you know, difficulties and challenges and painful times and good times. But that's what it is. Uh-huh. And I really like when you say you create it and that's all you can really do. Absolutely. I feel like this is a good place to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. This has been so amazing. It has. Thank yeah. you. We went a little longer than we planned. <laughs> Conversation but was good. Yeah, all is good. So if we want to find the Scooty Fund, it's at the Scooty Fund on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if someone wants to reach out to you to ask you about, uh, like, what's your Instagram? If yeah. someone wants to ask you about your journey or connect with you. Mine is KCT23, and that's spelled K A S. E Y T two three was I had to think twenty three Will's number. Um, no, I think he what was, was twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. For some reason, twenty three is just always twenty three and seventeen have been my like my magic numbers. Huh. Numbers I like. Yeah, I think in the future it would be awesome to have you back on and have like a different topic or structure or something because I love just like jumping all over the place and yeah. it'd be cool to like have like a. Uh, I don't know if there's a right time to do it or something, but I really hope that you'll be back. In the I'd future. be honored. I would love to. And uh, yeah, it, the pleasure was all mine. Thank Loved you. Loved all the wisdom that you shared. And I hope that this little drop that we put out there spreads and yep. becomes more positivity. Ripples and waves. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Casey. Cool. Thanks, Kyle.